We all know that I love making and recording my own podcast. Loudmouth is my heart and soul. But what's even more fun is that it's easy to do. And guess what? (laughs) You can do one too. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Because it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and anywhere else you can listen to podcasts. You can make money from it with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast right there in one place for free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Loudmouth Podcast the show about everything and nothing all at once. I'm your host, the one and only host with the small lips, loud mouth. It's Madison Handler. Hello, loud mouthers. I hope you all are doing wonderful. Hope your Wednesday or whatever day you're listening to this on, whatever day you're listening to this on. Yep, um, you know what I'm saying. I hope that it's fantastic, and I hope that you're doing great and wonderful and beautiful. Um, I know that spooky season is almost over. I mean, not almost over. We still have a little bit of time left, so I hope that you have your Halloween costumes picked out. You're ready to go. Hope you're ready for the holidays and just like the end of the year, which is absolutely absurd to even think about. Um, Right now, the biggest thing on my mind is Giving Tuesday um, because I run a nonprofit social media account and I have to worry about that. And so that's been like my biggest presser. But you guys, um, this Friday, this Friday, so this episode is coming out October 20th. On October 22nd is Loud Mouth's three-year anniversary. (gasps) Can you believe that? three years of loudmouth and it doesn't like it feels like it's been a long time but it doesn't because I don't think I really no I don't think I didn't really start taking it as seriously as I do now until this last year until like right after like the biggest height of the pandemic like after a lockdown I guess is what I'll say because pandemic's still going on but right after a lockdown was when I was like okay like I want to take this more seriously and I mean, every day, every week this year, there's been a new episode coming out. Even, I think, one or two times I did it, you know, a day later than Wednesday. But I am so proud of myself, and I'm so proud of how far I've come. You know, I have over 3,000 downloads. I have 446 followers, I believe, on Instagram. And it's just been awesome to grow with you guys, to gain more followers, to meet all the amazing guests that I've had on. So I just want to take a moment Thank you all if you've bought merch, if you've just listened to an episode, if you just follow me on Instagram, doesn't even matter. Any support is truly so amazing and I'm so grateful for all of you and I appreciate you all with, I just appreciate you all. Thanks for becoming loudmouthers and sticking around. And speaking of exciting things, and it kind of goes with this three month or three year anniversary mark, I have a very special guest on today, the owner of Cafe Cafe, which is Kansas City's first Vietnamese coffee shop, Jackie Wynn. She is on and I've been in love with Cafe Cafe for a while. My friend Alicia and I 
went there together and we just kind of fell in love with it and Jackie is so inspirational on their social media and she is such a badass and I think you guys will just fall in love with her in this episode if you don't already know who she is so it's just fun to be talking about an entrepreneurship and you know anniversary marks because their one year anniversary is on Halloween so it's fun to be celebrating this time of growth and you know just gratitude with everyone so I really hope you guys enjoy this episode and enjoy Jackie and love our conversation um she's so cool and I honestly like fangirls a little bit whenever she first got on the call um I usually get nervous before interviews but I think I was especially nervous about (laughs) Jackie but she was so cool and so fun so I hope you guys enjoy and yeah just stick around listen to her advice Cafe Cafe. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And Cafe Cafe is Kansas City's first Vietnamese coffee shop. Um, And I am a first generation Vietnamese American daughter of a refugee. And that is one of the reasons why I started Cafe Cafe. Halloween is officially one year. That's so exciting. And so you started out on Broadway and that's what's so interesting about it all. So tell us a little bit how you got to Kansas City, how you were like, I'm going to start a Vietnamese coffee shop here. (laughs) Yeah, it was really such a crazy, like, you know, series of events as the pandemic is just a crazy series of events itself. Um. I lived in New York for about 10 years. I studied musical theater in college. And so I lived in New York. I auditioned. I was just, you know, um, hustling. I was an actor. You know, I tried to book various, you know, musicals and Broadway gigs and stuff like that. And while I did that, if you're, some of your listeners are actors, they know the hustle very well. You um, have to cater, you have to waiter, you have to bartend, you have to do a bunch of other odd and, and jobs to make ends meet, meet in New York, especially. So one of the main gigs that I kept consistently actually since high school was being a barista. So I always worked in the coffee shop um, environment, but uh, this past Like starting 2018, I was cast in the Broadway revival of Miss Saigon. I started that August 2018, all the way up until March 2020. Um, And we were slated to close our show July 2020. So we still had a few months left, but we were just in the midst of touring the country with the show. um, And I'd already been on the road for 18 months. And, you know, I was living out of a suitcase, going from city to city, you know, touring different Broadway houses. And then as the pandemic hit, we, you know, it came to a halt. We were actually the last Broadway show to perform wow. out of all the Broadway shows. Yeah. Before oh we went down. Yeah. And we were in Fort Myers, Florida, um, when, you know, all of Broadway, everyone was just like, Hey, we're, we're going to cancel. And, you know, you guys need to kind of wait because we don't know what what's going to happen later on that week our whole cast got the notice that we were shutting down and we were shutting down indefinitely so 
I was out of a job and <laughs> I actually spent t- the first two months of the pandemic in Florida with my family. I have a brother that lives out there. And because everything was so unknown, we didn't really know, like we weren't, we were super quarantined at that time. You know, Uh that was like super early in the pandemic. Like we didn't know if we could go grocery shopping. It was that, that chaotic time. So while I was in Florida, I was kind of trying to map out like what my next step was going to be. And it led me to Kansas city. So my boyfriend who also was on the tour, he is a professional, professional dancer, acrobat, singer, you know, all that. He was also on the tour with me. So we toured together and he is originally from Kansas city. Oh, okay. So he went back to Kansas city because that, you know, he couldn't stay at my brother's house the whole time. He yeah. was like, Oh, I'll just stay with my family f- until we figure all of this out. Mm-hmm. Both of us like had apartments in New York, but those were being lived in by our subletters, like people that were already there and mm-hmm. they Can't had to stay there, yeah. you know? And that's how like a lot of the touring majority of touring actors, like they were stuck on the road essentially. So I was like stuck on the road with all my, my belongings, like everything. And so I was like, I think that this might be like a sign Mm -hmm. to, um, you know, start my coffee shop. And so I had already had the idea while I was on the road to do something like this, but it was more of like a passion project Mm -hmm. and more of like a, I might do this, right? Not, not a, I'm going to do this, but, but like, while I was on the tour for at least like five or six months, every city that I would go to, I would interview a different coffee shop owner and talk with them and be like, Hey, I don't know anything about owning a business or owning a coffee shop. Could you give me like an hour of your time just to like talk to you? So I started the research early on, but I never thought it would lead to me doing it so soon. Yeah. And I had already been to Kansas City. Our tour had toured through um, Kansas City um, downtown Broadway theater. And I loved it. We were here during Christmas. And so like, you know, the plaza lights were so pretty and it was like very romanticized. And (laughs) I honestly loved it. And I saw like there was no idea or concept of like what I was trying to create here. So that also kind of influenced me to like make the move here. I couldn't afford to do it in New York, it was too expensive. And I couldn't afford to do it in California where I'm originally from because it was too expensive. And there were already kind of like a few coffee shops that had the same concept Mm -hmm. in California um, and in New York, but there was nothing of the sort anywhere Mm -hmm. in the Midwest. I just kind of took a leap of faith and I, you know, was like, I'm just going to move and I'm just going to start it. Like, I don't know how long this pandemic's going to be. I don't know if I'm going to go to New York. I, we have no idea what's going on. So I just moved um, in June of 2020. Okay. And then I just literally like hit the ground running. Like the minute I got here, I just did everything that I could every single day ever yeah. since. It's cool that in a time when everyone was kind of like losing control, no one really knew what was going to happen. It was all up to how everything was playing out. And you were like, well, I'm just going to take control and I'm just going to do what I can and start it because. Well, yeah. Cause I, I, I didn't have a job and yeah. I was like, what am I supposed to do? Like, how do I pay rent? How do I, you know, you know, make bills like I have no idea. It was kind of out of necessity too. You know, you know, I 
qualified for unemployment, like everyone else was trying to qualify, but it took a long time, like to process through like about hundreds of thousands of actors just suddenly unemployed. So I went months without any type of income. And I was like, you know what? I got to like figure this out for myself because I don't know when life is going to shift back into normal. Like life still hasn't right. Like it's still still not back to normal. So yeah, I, I definitely did take control of it, which I'm really proud of. I did not expect where, you know, <laughs> it's led, to be yeah. honest. I just was like, I just need to make some money. But I also knew that, like, if I was going to do it, I was going to do it my way. I was going to do it the way that I wanted. I was I wanted to make impact. Mm-hmm. I wanted to actually, like, change the demographic of mm-hmm. coffee shops somehow, because I don't really believe in... I guess like you can do stuff for fun and that's great. But Mm -hmm. if I'm going to like contribute my entire life and like my whole career to something, I want it to be meaningful Meaningful. at least to my life. Yeah. Yes. I mean, like you were saying, you're the first Vietnamese coffee shop here. So you saw that need. And um, I read like a little bit on your website, you're about, you kind of says like, it's in the Midwest, which I think is the perfect place to kind of bring this culture because it's in the middle of everything. And living in Kansas city, you're like, oh, it's not that huge, but it's like, it is, it's the epicenter of the Midwest and it's a great place to kind of bring that culture in. And especially, I mean, talking about your mom and like growing up in a Vietnamese family, bringing Mm -hmm. that to life and like making that your passion. I can sure, I sure only feel so meaningful every day, even in like the small little things that you do. It's, It's great because I have complete control over my menu, my social media, the Mm -hmm. types of drinks to, you know, what we represent, what we stand for. I have complete control over that, which, you know, is intimidating in a way because I've Mm -hmm. never done something like that before, but it also like, I'm able to tribute my culture and my family and Mm -hmm. I'm able to pass down stories and, you know, education and, just there's so many aspects to it that I did mm-hmm. not realize I would also have with opening yeah. Cafe Cafe. Yeah. And I'm sure a year ago, you probably didn't even imagine that you would hold a vigil for Asian lives, that you would make the news for that, that you would be that stomping ground for people to come and raise their voices up and talk about that kind of stuff. Oh, so no, I, I didn't realize that was the type of impact I was going to have. Um, but it also like, reinforces that the city needed something like this Mm -hmm. too you know so that was just like a an amazing learning moment for me too yeah so whenever you were um interviewing people at coffee shops in new york or throughout wherever you went on your tour did you focus on vietnamese coffee shops or did you just kind of like pull from a lot of different resources No, I actually only interviewed one Vietnamese coffee shop and Mm -hmm. they um, were brand new at the time as well. Um, Mm -hmm. There's actually only maybe like four or five that exist in the whole nation and three of them are in Seattle. So the other one I I believe is in in Philly and there's one more opening in Chicago. But um, no, I literally just asked any type of coffee shop, big, small, mom and pop, you know, to, mm-hmm. to meet with me in every city. I think I met over 40, I can't remember how many coffee shops, but mm-hmm. I met a lot. Yeah. And I just asked like, you know, what is it like to own a shop? 
Do you have any advice? Like, is this lucrative? Is it, what was your process? How have you made impact? So, you know, like there were so many different questions that I asked, Mm -hmm. but no, I literally just asked any type of coffee shop that would give me some time. (laughs) So whenever you decided that you were going to start it, you moved here and you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Do you remember those first steps that you kind of took to make that happen besides obviously research and everything like that? But those kind of first monumental moments that you're like, oh shit, I'm doing this now. (laughs) Yeah, probably when I got like my logo finalized and like my branding finalized, that was like a big shit moment because I was like, oh my God, like I got the name Cafe Cafe. Then I got the logo and then I got like the whole branding and like the color scheme. And that really kind of like solidified like my brand to me to be like, whoa, like this is coming to life. Mm-hmm. Um, that when I like registered my business, like in Missouri, like under, you know, to create like an LLC or whatever, mm-hmm. that was like a huge moment because it's on paper, like it's yes. like official. Uh-huh. So that was like <laughs> a big moment for me. Once I got my um, logo and all that stuff, I ordered business cards mm-hmm. And I was still on tour when I got the business cards and I was like, oh my God, this is a thing. Like this is, this is going to happen. Um, but those, those little moments for me were like, whoa, I'm, I'm doing it. So probably those moments definitely, you know, there's other big moments, like when I got my cart or when I got my website or like things like that, but mainly it was the branding and like the physical like I could actually see what my coffee shop was gonna like it's not in my head anymore like here it is right here I can show people like this was my idea this is what I came to be because there's you know not a whole lot of Vietnamese coffee shops how did you kind of going about go about choosing the drinks that you wanted to put out there for everyone choosing the menu items and everything like that um with the menu I feel really lucky that I had so much barista experience Um, I worked at Starbucks. I'm like, that's not something I'm shy about, but (laughs) I I worked for them for like eight years and it's a long time. And when you work in a, you know, big, huge, like coffee environment like that, you really get used to like the recipes and like what customers like and Mm -hmm. what sells well and what you like as Mm -hmm. a, as a person. And with the flavors, I knew that I wanted to include things that were very reminiscent of like my childhood reminiscent of like the food and the the environment of Vietnamese households mm-hmm. not just in Vietnam but like in America mm-hmm. um and I honestly just like tried to make a very simple menu I wanted to f- have fun with it I just picked out like my favorite flavors that mm-hmm. I grew up with and like I just started creating I just would experiment with things in my kitchen and I would be like I definitely just want this type of drink and I I studied a lot of different places too and I saw that their meant what they had and things that worked for them and I kind of applied that to me but made it as authentic Mm -hmm. or as influenced as possible. Have you kind of changed the menu since you first started? Has there been some that just like didn't do as well as you thought it was and you just kind of have like add or improvise those kind of things? Um, I definitely had to tweak a few recipes as I went, but for the most part, I've just added a few more things as I started to, you know, like 
the holidays are here. So I like would add pumpkin or peppermint, Mm -hmm. a few things to kind of like go with the seasons. But for the most part, my menu has stayed pretty consistent. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kind of like stuck to my guns about having a very simple menu. I really believe in if you give too many options, like it just like is too much for people. And I don't want to do that just in general, even if it were a regular flavor that everyone understood and and recognized. I'm not of the type of like business that would want to have like 1000 menu items. Right. So um, I really believe in the simplicity of that. And like, you don't need much more than you know, six or seven special items that people can kind of like pick and choose from. And then it's easier for people to have their favorites because it's exactly. right and it's going to stay the same, going to stay consistent, maybe adding those pumpkin flavors, whatnot. But you started off, well, I mean, you still are, you're a traveling vendor. So mm-hmm. what kind of made you decide that you wanted to do traveling to start? And then we'll obviously get into, you know, starting the brick and mortar. Yeah. Well, I decided I was more forced into becoming mobile by, by the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I first moved to Kansas City, I made a business plan to try and get a loan to actually get a, a building. Mm-hmm. I wanted to actually get a, a regular shop and build out and do like a whole thing. Um, but I came into a lot of trouble finding funding or even finding a landlord that would take a chance on such a unique idea, especially Mm -hmm. because bars and restaurants at the time were like shutting down. Right. And so it, I mean, it makes sense. Like, why would they be like, you've never even sold a cup of coffee. Like, I'm just like trusting this idea that you have, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I had all these plans already. I was just like, you know, if I don't get a building, if I don't get a loan, like, what am I going to do? How am I going to like make this idea happen? And I have a mentor that I've worked with very closely um, and he is a coffee consultant. So he helps like other coffee shops kind of guide them and give them like, you know, steps and stuff. And he was like, have you ever considered doing like a food truck? And I was like, absolutely not. (laughs) Like, I think that is not like the vibe that I want. You know, Mm -hmm. there's just a different vibe when you have a food truck. It just, it's hard to explain. Yeah. But I think it's fun for mm-hmm. sure. Like, I think it's super dope. And like, I totally support food trucks and mm-hmm. clearly I am one now, but that wasn't like what I wanted in the mm-hmm. beginning. And my consultant was like, look, like it's a pandemic though, you know, mm-hmm. and like, this might be a good move because you don't know what the next two years are going to look like, which is completely true. <laughs> and he's like, and you could still serve because technically it'd be like to go. Like mm-hmm. it people would be it up versus like sitting inside a cafe where, you know, occupancy has to be like under five people or not Mm -hmm. allowed, or, you know, all those rules were changing from state to state. And like, Mm -hmm. there's just so much shit happening because of the pandemic. So I was like, okay, let me think about it. And then I, that night I went on Facebook marketplace and I was just like, let me just fucking look at that, you know, whatever. And this like cart popped up and it was, I remember it so clearly. It was like already made to be a coffee cart because this woman had wanted to sell coffee at her kids, like football games and stuff like that. Okay. Um, because they always like the parents would always mm-hmm. be like, I would love some coffee or whatever. So she, as a hobby, like a passion project, she created this like mobile coffee cart. Mm-hmm. And then because of the pandemic, 
she couldn't do it anymore. So she's like, oh, I'm just going to sell it. I ended up buying it literally the next day after that conversation. And I was like, it's happening. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know shit about food trucks, but I'm just going to do it. (laughs) And that's the, that's when Cafe Cafe was like truly born was like, I, I then was had a game plan Mm -hmm. where I was like, now it's going to be a coffee truck. Um, It'll be doing different events. I'll go to different neighborhoods. I will find places that might like, let me stay for like a few days at a time, then I'll drive it and go somewhere else. So that was my next step because I, I had so much going already. I had like a menu. I had like, you know, ordered coffee and cups and just all this stuff. And I was like, I need to make money. I need to get my coffee out there. I need to make sure that I don't kind of like sit on this idea forever. So mm-hmm. I just bought that cart with every penny that I had and I was like, let's do it. So that's kind of like how I transitioned into being mobile. So obviously having a brick and mortar, having a place to stay has always been in your plan. Soon you will be getting your brick and mortar. So what has, or when did you kind of decide, okay, this is, I'm going to do that now. Like I'm going to go through with that original idea. Um, it was actually after the vigil happened Mm -hmm. and, um, we had seen quite an influx of customers, quite an influx of a following. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of people started asking us like, Hey, have you guys considered this? Have you guys considered having a space? And I was like, yeah, I would love to, but the pandemic is still happening. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we are making some money now, but not definitely not enough to Mm -hmm. get a brick and mortar, you know, just enough to pay and break even, you know, but nothing like, you know, substantial, but I started to feel like a shift in a cafe cafe because I started to, you know, get more followers on social media. A lot of more people would come in regularly. And we started to see that we could create more of a space for people. And that vigil was a very clear indication that Kansas City really needs more mm-hmm. than what we could do. Yes. And I wanted that. And so I started looking into it, but it was still so hard and it wasn't right. It, it didn't feel right yet. Like mm-hmm. the part of town that I was like concentrating on was full, like nothing was happening around that area. And I just was like, you know, maybe it's not meant to be yet. And mm-hmm. so I kept like looking at different places. I would apply and try to get a loan. I'd ask other businesses like, Hey, have you heard of any spots that are opening? Like I would, I would, I started scouting, Mm -hmm. but nothing, nothing came up and nothing was very, um, I don't know. It just didn't feel right Mm -hmm. until, um, there was a building actually that I wanted and like applied for when I first moved here. But again, I had not even, I didn't have the cart. I just had a business card. So like nothing. And, um, the, that building was occupied by a different business. And unfortunately, because of the pandemic, they weren't making, you know, enough money. So they had to leave that building. And so the landlord of the building reached out to me and was like, Hey, that building that you wanted originally is available. Have you considered like think moving, you know, your shop to the next level? And I was like, you know what? Yes. Yes. Let me call you. And we will figure it out. So that honestly just happened like maybe a month and a half ago. 
So yeah. I can't even imagine the validation that that has to have, or like the synchronicity of that, like that building that you originally looked into, but couldn't do. And now less than a year later, you're going to be living in that space. Yeah. It's, it's quite like crazy to me because I, I feel like I manifested the shit out of it. I was just about to say, I was like, I don't know if you believe in manifesting, but to me, I'm like, sounds like you manifested that. Like I, in theory, like do believe in it. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I think everyone should be manifesting what they want, but it's hard when sometimes like those things don't happen. Mm -hmm. Right. But then when they do happen, you're like, oh my God, I did manifest this. Like I did create this, like it is happening, you know? Mm So I do. Yeah. It's been crazy because I, it's like the area is perfect. Like the building size is perfect. It's what I wanted. And I was like, this is too good to be true. Like this can't, this isn't real, but it is real. So, you know, it's happening. Yeah. Your passion project is now turned into this. I mean, honestly, like a passion project for Kansas city too. Um, we brought up the vigil a little bit. And so I just want to go and talk about it because I realized probably some of my listeners don't know what we're talking about. So can yeah. you kind of explain what that vigil was, what it was for and yeah, how you yeah. started it? Yeah. So um, the vigil w- was called Stop Asian Hate Kansas City. Basically, um, after the the shootings in Atlanta, mm-hmm. where the eight Asian women were targeted um, and assassinated, essentially, a lot of people were asking us if there was anything happening in the city to kind of tribute them or you know maybe there's like a some flowers that we could buy or just something to kind of like recognize that this is happening and that we want to say and do something about it um and a customer of ours actually asked us like hey if I helped organize something like could cafe cafe potentially like put something on if the city doesn't. And I was like, yes, of course, you know, and at that time we had a fair amount of people following us and we were like, okay, yeah. Like I think social media could help us like spread Mm -hmm. the word and stuff. And we, you know, originally just wanted to raise some money so that the families of these women could get some sort of money and there were different GoFundMes happening. And so we were like, yeah, we definitely want to support this because we, as a coffee shop, women owned, Asian owned, like very loud and proud about Asian narrative, um, Mm -hmm. could not fully understand or grasp why and how there was so much um, hatred happening towards the Asian community. Mm -hmm. Um, Because at the time, politically, you know, I'm just going to say it, Trump, he was basically saying that Asian people were spreading the COVID, Mm -hmm. you know, calling it the China flu and the Kung flu and all this stuff. And that just like, the unearthed a shit ton of racists mm-hmm. and we were targeted also you know people were sending us hey like it was really cra- a crazy 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 time yeah and so we decided like yeah let's hold a vigil and while we hold this vigil let's also use it as a time to raise money for these families and to kind of show the community that there are asian people in this community that they are 
citizens, that they are part of our community, that there are doctors, lawyers, nail technicians. Like there are so many people in this community that are Asian and that are being failed by the community because they're not being properly recognized. Mm-hmm. So we held this vigil and over 500 people showed up. I mean, freaking Emmanuel Cleaver yeah. came to speak and the city came. We had all state representatives. Mm-hmm. It, it was wild. It was wild to see so many people and like the community, the Asian community in particular showed up with their flags of the, of the country that you know, they wanted to represent and their families are Mm -hmm. from. And it was just so epic of a day because we were able to give Kansas City a sense of like, wow, the Asian community here exists. It's just like some type of recognition. Yes. um, Which was amazing. And like, I mean, even just thinking like, you know, a Vietnamese coffee shop, you're like, okay, it's just a coffee shop, but it's like, it brings that representation. It brings us to the table and it's like, hey, we're here and we're proud about who we are. And we like, we are Kansas Cityans and we want to coexist with you and make sure that you know that we're, we're represented in the city and that it's not just one against another. It's like, Hey, we're a community and we're going to bring our culture and we're going to talk about it and we're going to be loud and proud. And I think it shows so much community to be like, Hey, this awesome coffee shop and this person who wanted to put on this vigil came together and brought over 500 people to come out and talk about it. Because if you guys hadn't planned that most likely nothing would have really happened. Right you started a whole movement of that. Which is crazy to yeah. think it's crazy, but I, I'm so thankful we did it because now there's a sense of like, oh, Cafe Cafe is going to be there for us when, and I'm, I'm speaking to the Asian community, mm-hmm. to, you know what I mean? Like, and I, I love that we established that because so many people thanked us that day and was like, no one would have done it. No one would have been there or like, have this moment where we can find some type of clarity or some type of recognition that we exist here in this city. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like other places, this is a normal thing. You are part of the community. Doesn't matter what you look like. Yeah. But it sucks that like, because you're Asian, you've been discriminated this entire year and you don't feel welcomed. You don't feel like you're part of this community when you are just just as much a part of the community as Joe Schmo or this person, you know, like, yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people didn't even realize the magnitude of how much racism against Asian communities and against Asian people had ramped up during the pandemic. Because I mean, if you, you know, if you're a white person like me, you just kind of do to do a long life. Don't really think about that kind of stuff until those new news articles came out. And until that very, obviously targeted attack brought more attention to it. And then I remember a couple of my friends were like, wow, I didn't realize this had become such an issue. And it's, I mean, like we said earlier, it's those things that Trump said, words hurt. And those microaggressions build up to something bigger. And they feel that fire in those people. I mean, to the point where people were killed. So like, obviously they made impact yeah. words or not, you know, people, people's lives were lost. A lot of people's lives were lost. So it's like, yeah, we need to stand up and say something or at least take a moment. You know, mm-hmm. we weren't rallying. We weren't protesting. Mm-hmm. That was not what our um, event was. What we wanted to do was just hold space mm-hmm. and to 
to tribute for an hour the lives that were lost like that was it you were saying a little bit earlier about how you had received some hate at that point i'm sure that only ramped up after um maybe it didn't but i feel like that's usually how it goes so i remember you guys posted about you had i think it was a your sign that yeah. said something about white men uh, i can't remember exactly what it said but i remember you posted all the hate that you kind of got from that yes if you are able to and want to, can you talk a little bit on that story? Oh yeah, it was the drama. It was the drama of it all. So basically on our register, we have a sneeze guard, like a plexiglass shield because COVID. Yes. And on it, we stick different stickers on it from different companies, different whatever. And there's a thrift store in town that I really love. And they sold these like hilarious stickers that said, I've heard enough from old white men. Nowhere does it say hate, nowhere does it say anything about anyone mm -hmm. but it says i've heard enough from old white men which if you could understand the context of it essentially talks about how people in power for the past thousands whatever mm -hmm. hundreds of years at least have been old white men mm -hmm. and first of all i didn't create this sticker i didn't create that slogan i just thought it was funny and i put it up on my little thing because mm -hmm. i think it's hilarious and true it's yeah. like yeah people in power should not be old white when it men anymore because that's not the, yeah. the demographic, demographic. That, yeah that's literally what to me yes. um that's what it came off as and we just put it on our register one day someone saw it and tweeted it or posted on instagram and was like haha this is hilarious whatever and some something got wind of it and someone was like, oh, you're being racist. And I then posted a poll on Instagram asking people, do you think the sticker is racist? Yes or no? That just launched in a, a huge debate. And then Yahoo News or something picked it up mm -hmm. and was like, you know, a local coffee shop um, stands up against old white men and totally took it to a different level. And that's when a lot of people started, all the hate started coming in. I got hundreds of voicemails from random people cussing me out, saying that I'm racist, saying that I should not, that white people shouldn't come into my store, that I hate white people, that, you know, all literally it was the craziest ever. Like I got <laughs> handwritten letters in the mail. I got th like, people were threatening us. Like voicemails, phone calls, like newspaper articles, like so many things happened within a span of maybe a week. And mm -hmm. to the point where I was like, I don't feel safe. I don't feel like I can come to work because I don't know if there's going to be some crazy coming in thinking we're racist or something. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it brought up so many, I don't know, just so many thoughts and that provoked the Kansas City community in mm -hmm. good and bad ways where I felt like, you know what, I'm, I'm loud. I'm strong enough to endure this. And if I have to be the person that brings this up, like, why is this sticker coming off racist to some people? Mm -hmm. Does it hit a point of sensitivity? Does it trigger people? And mind you, as for as much hate that we got, we got 10 times, 15, 20 times more support mm -hmm. than the hate. So there was so much good that came out of this little sticker debacle, but mm -hmm. like we had old white men coming in and we're like, 
we love you, we support you, and we're old white men, and we think the sticker's right. It was awesome. It was awesome. But the parts that weren't so awesome were really scary and really real. That was basically the sticker debacle. We've taken down the plexiglass uh, as of right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if the sticker will make another appearance, to be honest, not because I don't believe I'm not trying to like be like I surrender or whatever, but mm-hmm. I'm also just really tired of that debacle. I kind of want to like tuck that into like a file of like that was cool and that was like a cute little moment in my life, but like, I don't want to re unearth that again. Yeah. And especially, I mean, what you were saying earlier about how you were feeling unsafe, like how it shouldn't be jobs of, you know, Asian people or jobs of black people to talk about the pain that they're, that they endure. It shouldn't be their job to resurface that trauma or resurface, you know, those feelings. And although obviously you want to be loud and proud, it's like, there's a line when I, you know, you still are a Vietnamese woman where you could feel unsafe at any point And that's your safety is worth more than sticker being put up. I remember yeah. you posted about one of your friends. I forget his name, but he came and sat in the coffee shop with you guys like yeah. for multiple days. What was his name again? So that we Chad. Can... Chad. Okay. Yeah. His name's Chad. Yeah. And he's actually, and Chad actually works for us now. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, cause I remember, um, obviously all of that happening and I shared the post where you thanked him for sitting down, um, because I was just like, I mean, that's just, it was so nice. Cause he's, he's, um, a veteran. So he used to, he trained, you know, um, in the military and he has all these like, um, instincts and just wanted us to feel safe and didn't want us to feel alone. And it, just the gesture itself was just like so kind and yeah. beyond like supportive, you know, like it was real support. It wasn't just like, Hey, do you need anything? Hey, no, he's like, he showed up, sat there mm-hmm. and just sat there and made sure we were okay. okay. And that was such an amazing, like, I don't know, act of kindness. Yeah. I think it also shows, and this is something that I want to talk with you too, about how connected you guys are in the community. Because I mean, on your Instagram, you guys are always shouting out small business. So how have you felt connected in the community? I feel super connected to this community, at least the small business community Mm -hmm. and the queer and Asian, I mean, there's different demographic of communities that I feel connected to, but I've utilized Cafe Cafe as a platform to help support other small businesses because other small businesses did that for me when I started. So when I first started, you know, I asked different businesses in town um, if I could just kind of like sell some coffee in front of their shop. Mm -hmm every so often just to kind of get my business out there. And that this was way before like pop-ups was a huge thing. Mm -hmm. And so for example, like Peaches Vintage and Virgil's Plant Shop and Interspace Yoga, they were one of the few and first people to say, yeah, you can like park out in our parking lot. And like, you know, Saturdays people come by. So I just like parked out there on a weekend. um, And I, you know, tried to sell some stuff and that was when people started to recognize like, oh, there's a little new coffee shop in town. Those businesses were the ones that helped me. For example, like Strawberry Swing, they, which is like a huge art, arts makers type affair. Mm-hmm. They 
offered a spot for me and was like, here, there's lots of people that come by. You should try and like sell your coffee here. So it was moments like that where I really felt like I really appreciate just the kindness of other people that has helped me because if it weren't for those businesses giving that, giving me a platform, I would not be able to sell my coffee. And so I started thinking about ways that I could collaborate with different small businesses in town where we both could succeed and we both could have a platform. And so I started doing pop-ups with different companies, Black-owned businesses, women-owned businesses, you know, LGBTQ plus businesses, Asian-owned businesses, all these types of different businesses that often have a harder time launching or finding proper platforms because they're owned by marginalized communities. And Mm -hmm. so I became very, very, very connected to these small business owners because we just get it. By doing these events with these other small businesses, I felt like I've been able to be really connected. And I just believe in that. I just, as a human being, believe in supporting and uplifting other people because people have done it for me, mm-hmm. whether they've done it in the past or whether it's in the future. I really want to see other people succeed, especially those who I understand their hustle. I understand mm-hmm. their pre-existing finances or, or, or generational wealth to help mm-hmm. them. Like they have nothing. And so I do believe that as a community, we're able to uplift each other by supporting each other. You know, I don't just promote Cafe Cafe on my Instagram. I promote other companies that I believe in. And I do believe that we should be doing that. I think that there is so much room in this world for coffee. Like, Mm -hmm. even if there were to be another Vietnamese coffee shop in Kansas City, which I hope there would be, I know that that coffee shop would not take away from, from mine because there's literally Starbucks on every single every, corner and yeah. there's always lines. Every coffee shop that you see, there's still people in it because, you know, people love coffee. They love all <laughs> types of coffee. You can go somewhere for a certain vibe. There's no sense in being like, oh, well, I'm better than this one because you're not. You're just yeah. different. And I just don't believe that you should ever put down like your quote unquote competition. Cause I don't believe that they're your competition at all. I think that they're actually should be your ally because they're the only ones that understand yes. your particular business the way that you do. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's exactly how you started to going to those different co- coffee shops and asking them. No, I love it. We kind of talked about, you know, obviously different moments in time that were kind of big for you, but mm-hmm. when or what, or when was the moment that you knew you know, starting this and doing this, that you couldn't stop what you were doing. Ooh, wow. Um, I guess, honestly, I don't know. The whole time, I never felt like I could stop. I'm a very, very ambitious and tenacious woman. I believe in doing everything in your power to try and accomplish a goal. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, you have to be able to look back and be so utterly being like, I did literally every single thing that I could. And now I can't do it anymore. And I'm going to give up. And I don't even feel like a smidge of that at all. Mm -hmm. I feel completely motivated to continue to keep going. Um, I do think that maybe when my Instagram following hit about 10,000 people, um, all organically, I never Mm -hmm. paid for 
any ads. I never paid for any followers. Um, I run my social media 100% myself. I write every caption. I write every post. I do every DM. Like I message everyone at the cost of sometimes not answering or like (laughs) when we hit 10K, I was like, okay, like we have a pretty substantial following and you know, like that's, that's a lot of people. And I want to make sure that I do keep going. Um, and then there was a a moment not too long ago, um, where we were featured in Forbes Yes, and that was one of the biggest moments. I mean, I think ever it's the biggest business Mm -hmm. publication that you could be in. And so we got featured from a very crazy per step of procedures, very lucky, just all about it happened through the community of Kansas city. It was just so many different things happening. And that was one of the moments where I thought that I am making a much bigger impact than I could ever anticipate. And I absolutely have to keep this going. I can't even imagine how crazy of a moment that would have been. And it was, it's still crazy. Yeah. And uh, your whole little like photo shoot with it. Yeah. It was wild. I just <laughs> could not believe I was like, what's happening right now? <laughs> You're you like, know, oh, like, do I need to pinch myself a little bit? Uh- <laughs> super, super. I mean, when I tell you I've experienced imposter, imposter syndrome this entire year, mm-hmm. every day, every day, I feel like this isn't real. <laughs> um, just because I don't know. It's such a crazy whirlwind. Yeah. Uh-huh. I've just experienced su- such crazy moments where I'm like, what the actual, <laughs> like, is this actually happening to me? Yeah. 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 Um, so, okay. When you were kind of starting out, um, sorry, we're kind of going back a bit, but I had this question in my head. I forgot to say, but when you were starting out, was it just you running the coffee? Yes. Like just, it was, just it was me. And then my boyfriend's brother's sister, her name's Mary, <laughs> um, which I love. She's part of our team now. She on weekends went because she has a, a grown up job. Mm-hmm. And on weekends when I was like, hey, could you help me like, you know, just load stuff and mm-hmm. try to like go to these like little events and stuff. She would help me sometimes. But for the most part, I did it all by myself completely. Um yeah, that was, that was also a crazy thing to do it completely alone. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I did it all by myself at first. And then Mary would help me like once or twice a month mm-hmm. at, at like certain events. And then one of my friends, her name's Madoka. She was also on the tour and she didn't have a job and her and her husband were both um, out of work actors. And I, it, like, I literally asked her to move here because I, I was like, I need some help. And she was like, yeah. So she moved. And then it was me and her for, for at least the first six months of like business. It was just two people yeah, every day. So I asked you kind of like, what was the moment that you decided, like, you couldn't stop doing what you're doing. What do you think, which I'm sure there's a lot of these moments all the time, but what do you think has been kind of like the scariest part of doing all this? Honestly, that's right now. I'm experiencing that right now because I signed the lease on the building. Mm -hmm. I paid the first three months of rent so that I didn't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. And that is probably the scariest thing is this transition into 
an actual building um, because I am still very new to this industry. I'm still very new to owning a business. I've never done anything like building out a brick and mortar before. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually terrified because <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. And I, and I'm having to kind of like dip into these resources again, mm -hmm. asking, you know, all these coffee shops and because, you know, when I had to pivot and do the whole coffee cart thing, mm -hmm. I started learning about that. So now I'm having to relearn about like the shop environment. Um, I feel like I'm actually like legitimately making it like a real thing now uh -huh. versus before it's like a cart. Like, I don't know. It, it feels like a different, yeah. different beast. Yes. But I want to give you kind of a moment to plug you guys and plug your GoFundMe. I'm going to have it linked down below for everyone who wants to help out, um, who maybe doesn't live in Kansas city and is still like this is awesome. I'm going to help out. So I'll make sure to put that down below. What do you need from the listeners of Loudmouth? Loudmouthers. <laughs> um, Loudmouthers, uh, we could really, really use financial help at this moment. Um, we created a GoFundMe. Um, our goal is $88,000. And we created this goal to be huge mm -hmm. because that is realistically what we do need. Um, and we are trying to do this completely debt-free. That's why the goal is so big. Mm -hmm. um, because I truly believe that if I am able to open my doors without owing a huge amount of debt, that I feel hopeful that my business can flourish and thrive and duplicate itself so that other people that feel marginalized, like I want to create a, a sense of like, um, I'm creating opportunities for people in the community to come get a job, to work. Mm -hmm. Cafe Cafe is, is for the community. And mm -hmm. so we've kind of asked the community to help us build this together. Um, so you can kind of feel like, Hey, I helped create this too. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a GoFundMe. And so any type of donation would just be extremely helpful. And also sharing the link, um, following us on socials, um, just kind of like going and getting a cup of coffee. If you're from Kansas city, if not like our website, like visiting our website, reading our articles, any type of just education that you can learn about our, our company, learn about our, you know, our vision and what we've done, those type of things help us like instrumentally. If you are tight on money right now, which I totally understand sharing our links and our social media is just like more than enough. Perfect. Okay. Now where can we, where can they follow you guys? I'll have that link down below, but say you're at, say whatever you uh, want people to know. Yeah. Um, our Instagram is at cafe cafe, which is C A F E C A P H E. Um, our website is also cafe cafe.com. Um, and we're the same handles on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, and you can find ev everything on our on our website um, and browse through there. We have links to all of our press, all of our social medias on our website, as well as our GoFundMe link is on our website too. Perfect. Okay. Is there anything else you want to say to people before you go? Is um, just to continue to support small businesses, whether that's in Kansas City or you know in your local city, because those businesses 
are what will make your community much better. Mm -hmm. um, these are really, really hardworking people who are trying to make a living and who are trying to change the landscape of business. And I think that if we give more support to them, our economy will be richer. Our lives will be just so much more richer um, because so many of these big players already have so much money invested mm -hmm. in them. And we go to them, even if we do support small businesses. So, you know, I think that we should try to make a conscious effort to support one small business uh, per week because it does make a huge impact. Yeah. And I mean, it builds that community and you make friends while doing it too. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Um, I will have everything linked down below for everyone to go to and to listen to. Thank you so much, Jackie, for doing You're welcome. this. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Alrighty, you guys. I hope you all enjoyed that episode learning more about Cafe Cafe and Jackie. If you've just moved to Kansas City, I hope that you guys go and check them out. I will have everything linked down below. And if you're just visiting Kansas City, I hope you go check them out. And if you have the means to do so, please consider donating to their GoFundMe for their brick and mortar so they can start off debt free and really just getting the repayment from the community that they've put out. So I hope you guys all enjoyed. Make sure to follow them, share their message, everything like that. Thank you guys for being with me for three years or however, however long you've been here. I cannot wait to see how much I grow in the next three years. So I appreciate you all. Make sure you follow Loudmouth on Instagram at loudmouthpod or on Twitter at loudmouth underscore pod. Everything is always linked down in the show notes. Go check it out. Um, go support. You know, even just sharing an episode means the world to me. So I appreciate you all for listening, coming along this wonderful journey of life. And I don't know. I guess I could just keep saying thank you, but I'll probably stop myself because I've said it enough. But I love you guys, and I will talk to you all next week. Check out the show notes. Follow everyone. I love you guys. Bye. Thank you.